You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, hello. Hello. (laughs) So exciting. Talking about the things that we deal with day in and day out is actually kind of fun. It's a little cathartic. It kind of is. Because sometimes we're just like slacking about it and not actually talking about it. So it's fun. Okay. I tried to figure out the reaction thing for the video today. And it is impossible to figure it out. It's not a Mac OS setting. No. And just to back up listeners, Jackie's having an issue (laughs) where she will thumbs up and this random thumbs up pops up. It's not the one that you're thinking of that like your phone does. It looks different. I don't know how to describe it. It looks like somebody's reacting to something I said. It's weird. And don't know why it's happening. Twice I've been out in public recently where I have overheard a stranger having a conversation with someone else. I forgot to tell you this saying it just keeps thumbs upping. These hearts are showing up in meetings with clients twice. I've heard strangers talk about this hearts? in public recently. That's like a hard one to get to happen. I know the hearts, the thumbs up. Both of them mentioned the thumbs up. One of them also mentioned the heart. And I meant to tell you, so I've been Googling there. it. And going really deep into Reddit forums to try to fix this. And I can't figure it out for the life of me. And here's the problem. I'm really animated. Like I actually talk with my hands a lot and I don't realize it. So stuff happens. I don't work directly with employees as much anymore, but I'm still having hard conversations with people. When I'm being animated on a video call about something that's hard and all of a sudden a thumbs up comes through and I have to like stop and explain it. It's awkward (laughs) if we work for Apple Help me. (laughs) Apparently you have to do it like in FaceTime, which I don't even use my computer for FaceTime. I was going to say, I know how to do it in FaceTime, but it doesn't look the same. I know. It's different. I don't know where it's coming from. And here's why I know it's an iOS system thing, because I have reactions and gestures turned off in Zoom settings. I double checked it. Anyways. The saga continues. The saga continues. Okay, so for behind the scenes, what we've been working on, we have a client that is working through a situation that I just Mm -hmm. thought I would share a little bit about what we suggested they do. I think there might be some people who listen to the show who have a similar thing. And that is in this world of remote work, what to do when an employee, a US employee, wants to move to another country. To be honest, It's not a new phenomenon, but there's not a lot of rules, to be honest. And it depends on the country. In the pandemic, it feels like this became an option for people. And I think that's why it feels like uncharted territory, because it wasn't as much of an option prior to the pandemic, mainly because people didn't think about doing it necessarily. There's not this like overarching governing body around the world that you have to follow. There's not like those rules. I think that's where people get tripped up is because the U.S. has so many rules that all of a sudden they're like, now I'm in a new country. What do I do? And all these things. Every country has their own rules around it. So any country someone might be moving to is going to have a different set of parameters. Exactly. Yeah. So in this particular situation, there's a client of ours that recently hired somebody, been on the team for I think like 30 days or something like that. 
And I don't remember if it was during the hiring process or very shortly after they are hired. I don't remember. I think it was during the hiring process. They asked if it would be okay if they spent time in Mexico. They wanted to work in Mexico. So they looked it up and it was like on a travel visa is Mm -hmm. fine in Mexico if you're there for 180 days. And actually I looked it up. It's 180 days to four years is actually what it is. So it was really lax terms. I was going to say, I feel like 180 days is a pretty standard amount of time. Right. And they were going to let them, which honestly, I probably would too. And I still almost feel like it's not that big of a deal. But anyways, so now this person's been there for 30 days and they were like, hey, I actually want to move to Mexico. Can I do that? And the initial response was like, oh my gosh, is this a red flag? Were they lying? All of this stuff in the interview process and like, Maybe, maybe not, but I don't really think it's a huge red flag, to be honest. So I suggested, I'm like, why don't you have a conversation with them and just say, what's going on? Like, what's changed? And just get an understanding of what's going on. It's probably going to come out that they're like, well, I got here and I love it and I want to stay. Or maybe it's like they have family there and they want to be closer to them or who knows? There could be a lot of reasons why. And then I asked him, like, is the person performing well? And they said, yes, that the person is doing great, training really well, all this stuff. I'm like, okay. Is there a probationary period? Are they still like within a probationary period? I don't know, which is a whole nother conversation. I think probationary periods are stupid. You're an at-will employer. So if you have a good new hire onboarding experience, then that's what it is. That's a different topic. We'll add that to the list. So anyways... And so they said, yeah, I'm like, okay, then just have the conversation and say, you know what? I'm not ready to say yes or no quite yet because you're still onboarding. I want to make sure this is a good fit. We have to look up any ramifications to the business and say, let's revisit this at 90 days. And then after 90 days, you should have a pretty solid idea if this person is working out and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess my point of sharing that is if somebody makes a request, you don't have to rush to make a decision. Have the conversation with them and you can clearly be like, hey, you're still onboarding. You're still deciding if you even like working for us. We're still figuring out the working relationship. I'm not saying no, but let's like give it a few more months to figure it out. That is a very reasonable thing to do and is totally fine. But I think sometimes when people make requests, bosses freak out and all of a sudden their brain turns off that they can just give things a beat. Anyways. I did go into looking into this because then I was like, I am curious how I would do this, like more so from my own perspective. Now, I am not an expert in international employees. I will first and foremost say that. But in this case, I looked up visa requirements. I actually honestly just Googled like, my employee wants to move to Mexico. US-based employee wants to move to Mexico. What should I do? Mm -hmm. And I found some lawyers and stuff that have FAQs on this and I just read through them. Newsflash. You guys can do that too. The gist of it was Mexico has really lax rules on that. Your employee overseas still needs to have a home base in the U.S. for which they are taxed. If an employee comes to you and wants this, definitely suggest they need to talk to an immigration attorney who can talk through their requirements because the U.S. does have crazy laws. And if you are a U.S. citizen who keeps your U.S. citizenship but moves to another country, you're still going to owe taxes in the U.S., but you as an employer are not responsible for them figuring all that out. Just as a courtesy, I would make sure they understand they need to talk to an immigration attorney to truly understand everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good call because employees do expect you to figure that out and that is not your job. 
It's not. It's not your job as the employer. It's a personal decision they're making for whatever reason. They need to make sure they have all their personal ducks in a row. Yep. And you can tell them, we still will need to pay you into a U.S. bank account with Nexus somewhere in the U.S. So as long as that doesn't change, we can still pay you and you can still do your work. You have to figure out the other implications of if you can even legally be in that country. Essentially, that's what I suggested. In 90 days, if this employee is doing really great and you are like, I don't actually care where they work, I would just let them know you still need to have a U.S. residence so that we can mail you things and that mm-hmm. we can process your payroll and that you're paying. And then just let them know that you're not responsible for making sure that they follow visa laws. If an employee wants to become a resident of another country and no longer be a U.S. resident, that is a lot more tricky. You need an employment attorney who specializes in that to help you understand what is a business you have to do. Now, that brings up a question for me to ask you, which is, what about employing an international contractor? Because we have done that in the past. Yes. So how does that work? Maybe you can give some people some insight on that. So it's kind of up to the person you're employing to make sure that they are following the rules in their country. For us, I found a contractor in Brazil, and apparently Brazil has pretty strict immigration laws and work laws, but she had done some contracting before. And so she'd done everything to set up a business so I could pay her and all of that stuff. You kind of want to put the liability on them as well and then have them invoice you so that you can make payment to them. I think about how we had so many international engineers at Lumi and trying to set up pay structures for that and all that stuff. Real quick, do you ever find yourself listening along to this and being like, well, shit, I wonder if I'm doing everything right from a legal and compliance perspective? Now, I've said this a lot, but I'm not an attorney, so nothing I share is legal advice. But over the last 15 years, I've worked with a lot of employment attorneys on a lot of different things related to people in HR. So I've learned a thing or two about helping a business stay compliant with the people stuff and implement some of the best practices so you can cover your ass, which is why I'm so excited about a free compliance and best practices checklist we've created over at my company, People Principles. It literally walks you step-by-step how to conduct an HR audit similar to what we do when we onboard new clients. So go grab your free copy over at peopleprinciples.co and you'll see it right there on the homepage. Now back to the show. I bet there's companies out there solving this problem better than when we were at Lumi, to be honest. I know there's a platform called Deal and it's a way that you can pay international employees It's like an HR platform, but for managing international employees. And I know for a fact they help with some of the compliance. But if you're a small business and you just want to like have a contractor supporting, honestly, Mm -hmm. just have them invoice you and you can pay it like on PayPal or something like that. You're not going to get in trouble, probably. Now, I don't know. Maybe you will from the other country. I'm not a lawyer, so talk to a lawyer about this. But like when I think about logistically what would happen... I never intend to open up people principles in Brazil. So if I'm in trouble with the Brazilian government for paying this person as a contractor, I'm never like going to get caught. But if you're a bigger company and you're like, I eventually do want to set up like business operations in the UK or something like that, Mm -hmm. then you might want to look into like how to do that properly. 
would be my advice. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Great. I think that's good for today. Have you ever had to deal with any of this stuff? Not until recently. Not until we've talked about it. It's going to continue to be a thing. It'll continue to be a thing. And I would say too, just make sure you know where your employees are working from. Because I know a few instances of people like early on the pandemic spending more time than they were supposed to overseas Mm. and it having ramifications on a business and a business being like, you either have to come home or we can't have you as an employee anywhere. I actually saw a post yesterday on LinkedIn. It was like the head of HR from Atlassian or somebody posted it. So they've been remote or work anywhere since 2020. And they were just recapping, like, it's significantly improved their business. This is kind of related to this topic. It, like, increased conversion rates of offers by, like, 20%. It had a lot of positive benefits. But what I liked about it was the person was like, but it's not without its challenges. Here are some of the things that we learned. And it was like, teams have to have at least four hours of work time where their shifts cross over to be effective. Mm -hmm. There was like a few different things like that, that they mentioned, but that one stood out to me in context of this moving from the U S to Mexico is pretty easy because you're in the same time zones. But if somebody does want to move to another time zone, that is something else to think about. How are they going to work? For example, one of our clients, their EA lives in Italy now. And she is working later in the day because she has to have crossover. So it's like talking about scheduling stuff is also really important and thinking about how your team is going to work together. And I just thought it was interesting that a company like Atlassian that's building software for asynchronous work still feels like they need to have at least four hours of crossover. Okay. That's all for today. We hope you're feeling inspired and ready to take things up a notch in your business. And just wanted to remind you that if you want access to the tools, strategies, and guidance you need, our on-demand HR program might be perfect for you. Say goodbye to corporate HR rules because hello, that's not how I roll here if you've listened to a few episodes. And say hello to straightforward, actionable advice designed just for your small business and actually for you individually. Because you get unlimited email and DM access to our team, including me. It's like having your own HR consultant on speed dial. So don't wait. Take your small business to the next level with our on-demand program at peopleprinciples.co forward slash on-demand. We're here to support you every step of the way of building and leading and managing your team. Thanks for being a part of our community and we'll see you in the next episode.